0: Welcome to That Creative Life. Hi, my name is Sarah Dici and I am your host. I talk with artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everyone in between. I hope this podcast helps you live your best creative life. Enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of That Creative Life. We have a... Have you been on twice or is this your third time, Roberto? Your second time? I think time?
1: this is my second time.
0: Okay, okay. Well, Two he time. is a two time on that creative life he is a favorite in the youtube community he's kind of like a youtuber youtuber and that whenever i have any questions or anyone in the community is kind of like what's up with youtube what is this roberto is who you go to so if you're interested in the behind the scenes of video social all the things this will be a great conversation so roberto thank you so much for, for joining that creative life for the second time. And I'll let you kick it off and tell the people if they don't know who you are, What do you do? What are you about, Roberto Blake?
1: So first of all, thank you so much for having me back, Sarah. It's always fun chatting with you. And also, I don't think outside of like text messages, I ever congratulated you on your engagement.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Gosh, I'm not even wearing my ring, but thank you. We are still together, even though my ring is not (laughs) on my hand. (laughs) Uh, I love the conspiracies.
1: Like, yeah, right?
0: (laughs) Well, it's so weird with uh, we were so ready to just get married. NYC, let's go. And then the pandemic hit. So (laughs) Things will just be indefinitely uh, stalled.
1: <laughs> it's all good. Um, but for those uh, for those people who don't have the familiarity with me that you do, hi everybody. My name is Roberto Blake, and I am a creative entrepreneur a public speaker. I've been on YouTube actively for seven years and I make all kinds of content that helps creators. I help creators to make dope stuff. I teach them how to market themselves and then how to make money because I don't want anybody to be a starving artist. My thing is I believe in the creator economy. I believe it's the future of the 21st century. Like make dope stuff, create value, raise the bar and you're good to go. You will have a life that you want on your own terms but you gotta make sure you're doing those things doing them in the right order, and doing them for the right reasons.
0: And right now is, I think, such a, I'll just say unique time. We'll be a little bit nicer with the adjectives. It's a unique time. (laughs) And I think during times like this, people start questioning, what am I doing with my life? Am I happy? It's kind of a shock to the system. And I think as people who create for a living and being creative entrepreneurs, for me, I don't know. For you too, I always see that there is space for people to come in, innovate, grow. You know, video is beyond over in its growth. I feel like we're just like just at the start it's of it. Beginning. To be honest, you know, it's, it's just beginning. And, it's the best time. Yeah, exactly. And that makes me excited for what is to come and for the new careers that can come from it. So, I, I know a lot of people find themselves maybe they were in traditional hollywood being a pa or an ac and they were in a flow right and so they might be creative and they might know about video and audio but they all of a sudden found themselves without a job for basically a year probably mm-hmm. over a year yeah what would you say to them for for people who already know how to flex some of their creative muscles but they kind of feel lost because they maybe were in more of a traditional role?
1: The thing is and I've been I've been here before is like when you lose a job, it feels like you're losing an identity because we're taught to make our job into our identity and it it gives us a sense of pride and purpose, but it also is the way that we've been taking care of ourselves. So it's the thing that makes us feel like an adult and it makes us feel Like we're being responsible and like we um, are validated, you know? And so when you have that and you lose that either through no fault of your own or when there's a situation, even if you did create it, you just feel horrible about that. And all you want to do is reset the clock and clean, cling back to what felt good and what felt safe. And you want those feelings again. And the idea of doing something different and something new is super intimidating And it also, it just doesn't offer that comfort that you had. And all you want is to go back to feeling safe and to feeling validated. Now, what the problem with that is, is it doesn't account for the fact that even when you were safe and you were validated and you had that security, you may not have been fulfilled and you weren't necessarily achieving your purpose or you weren't necessarily always doing things that aligned with your own personal values. So I look at this as, um, have you ever heard of something called Ikigai? I haven't. So Ikigai is um, a Japanese philosophy. It's an Eastern philosophy, and it translates roughly to uh, reason for being. Why do you wake up in the morning? And so what you have is you have a lot of people, whether they're creative or not, that have been waking up in the morning, going through a routine and going through a job, and they weren't excited about it to begin with in most cases. They were just going through the motions, And the thing is, people say, well, oh, do what you're passionate about or chase what you're passionate about. But Ikigai says, well, let's figure out what you like and what you are passionate about. And at a bare minimum, let's find out what you don't hate, what you don't despise doing. And then let's also look at what you are good at, what you really are good at, or what you're capable of learning to be competent at. And then let's figure out whether anybody ever in the history of ever that's like you ever made any money doing that and whether you can make the kind of money you want or that you need. Or that you would feel satisfied with, and then, are there? Does this serve anybody outside of you? Does this help people in any way? And does it help the world? Does it make the world better? Does it make a group of people better? Or does it? um, Is there a tribe there that you want to be a part of? And you have to figure out what would make all of these four interlocking rings balance for you in your life in a way where you're. If you can't do what you love the most, are you doing something you at least like or at least don't hate? And If you're going to do something for money, are you capable of making those kind of compromises where you can tie what you like to money without coming to resent it or hate it? And are you good enough at this and can you become good at this or are you pretending? Are you doing something because you want to do it, but you know you're not that good at it and you're not delivering real value, you know, but you're doing it because people will just accept it from you because then you're not improving. You're not making yourself the best version of yourself. Or are you doing things for money that don't even align with your values and make the world worse, but you're doing it because, oh, money. So like people don't realize that they're unhappy because they're out of balance.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is whew, a lot to unpack there. And I, I think the, the balance is always so hard to achieve, but I feel like if you're thinking about it, you're doing better than most, right? And I think the, the trickiest is when, hey, maybe something you hate doing is the thing that makes you the most money. I mean, when I was in college studying electrical engineering, I knew that was a oh easy, not easy, but it's almost a guaranteed six figures. And so I I was kind of like, oh, it aligns with things because I can incorporate it into my love for technology. But at the end of the day, I was just miserable and I'm not gonna be my best self when I'm miserable. You were rationalizing it. You know? It. I was rationalizing it. And so I, I feel like if Any kind of balance, you know, maybe it's not that you have all four, but if you're at least striving for a couple, I feel like you're going to be better off than most, you know?
1: I'd agree with that. And again, like I said, it's about finding the right balance for you. The right balance of that for somebody else um, is not what's right for you. And one of the other problems is people are looking at the expectations and also they're looking for they're looking for some kind of measurement of success outside of themselves. So what I would say is during this time, this is a perfect time for self-reflection because the thing I think about Ikigai, and I made a video about this called why 99% of people fail. So I could um, trick people into watching a video about philosophy, you know, Um, and it was about the self-awareness. Like our friend Gary V talks about, like if you, this was a, like, you know, people talk about self-awareness. They talk about figuring out who you are. I figured out that our society or at least our culture doesn't have a really good framework or a way for somebody to do that. But when I lay out Ikigai to people and they think about these things and they start making their list of like what they want to see in the world and the things they believe in, they start thinking about the things that they like. And I tell them we'll also do the opposite, list all the things you hate and don't want to do and don't want to do for money. And then also when you look at the things you like doing, ask yourself if you can do it, if somebody else is involved, meaning if you have to do it for money, I realized at a certain point that as much as I love photography, um, I have to be able to do it on my own terms. Meaning like I can't, um, I can do client work for photography, but they have to give me complete creative control. They have to be, I hired you, do your thing. They have to do that. Or it's similar to even somewhat with brand deals as a content creator. I have to have, I'll take less money for more creative control. I know that that's who I am, but I make enough money by other means for that not to feel bad or not to feel like devaluing myself or not to put me in an uncomfortable financial situation. So I trade um, money for happiness all the time in terms of control because I realized that my anxiety point, I realized this during the last recession, um, I realized that my anxiety point is control and control manifests itself in time, energy, money, access, interactions, relationships. Um, and I realized that, oh, God, I'm a control freak after all.
0: <laughs> right. And going back to having control and when the times are like these where literally it no matter what you do, just things might not go your way. You might have grown and found your thing and it is TikTok. And all of a sudden, things beyond your control are you know, coming in the way between maybe you and you finally having that creative fulfillment because, hey, an app might be banned where you live or, you know, something to that degree. And so when it comes to things that are beyond your control, and maybe let's take TikTok an actual literal example, because there's a lot of people and I'm getting these questions because usually I'll speak to people about social media and YouTube. And I kind of have to take a step back and say, hey, TikTok, I I can give you some ideas from outside of that world. But TikTok was the one platform that I just chose not to pay attention to. So maybe we can get some help from Roberto for those people who, you know, are, are, have been successful on TikTok and are now looking for the next thing on maybe how to expand your audience beyond one platform.
1: I became an avid consumer of TikTok. I don't know if you knew that. Like, I became really, and I became very involved with a lot of TikTok creators. Like, I became uh, a mentor and a coach for TikTok creators, but I'm not a TikTok creator. I don't really create on the platform. I made like three TikToks. I know how the app works. But what the thing is, as a consumer who also, is in the industry and is an industry insider. I had a lot of perspective, and I also, again, as a content creator, has been doing this for a long time and knows a lot of other content creators. I was able to um, help a lot of uh, my friends that are creators in the TikTok community, but I also gave them some very practical advice in terms of also transitioning their brand. You know, um, do you remember like when you and I like first started hanging out and we did like our first collab in 2016, and I told you my instincts about Instagram versus Snapchat.
0: Maybe. Man, I slept I've slept since then, Roberto. I might Was that in my Was that in my first apartment?
1: Yeah, that was your first apartment, Yay, like Yeah, back the dingy, in the one that got broken into.
0: Gross apartment, yeah.
1: Yeah, the the, the apartment <laughs> in the hood.
0: <laughs> where it all where it all started, Roberto. Yeah, that was that apartment exactly. outside Penn Station?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I remember. Like so back in 2016, I remember when like Instagram stories had just stolen all of Snapchat's features and it just mm-hmm. rolled out. I remember when everyone was super go hard on uh, Snapchat, go hard on Snapchat, go hard on Snapchat. And you and I talked about it. That's when I
0: stepped back.
1: And you killed it on Instagram as a result of that. (laughs) It's like, And you've been getting brand deals on Instagram like a boss, like (laughs) a freaking champion, right? But you understood the value of a pivot and that a platform's relevancy or community or features are something that are not within your domain of control. But what you are in control of is your content and the relationship you have with your audience and the ability to activate them and to move them to another place and to also make good enough content for the people in the space that you occupy. And that's what's so smart about you is you always are able to find your, you make a place for yourself. You make room for yourself. Nobody has to do it for you. Thank
0: you. Yeah, And also you have to realize what is the type of stuff that you like to make? Because I knew for me, something that's private with Snapchat and it really had no public-facing thing or content, I knew that wasn't for me because I I have always abided by the model of get the audience and then I'll figure out collaborators, whether it's brands or other things to make that work. And even though Snapchat was really fun to build a tight-knit community on, I was like, I I can have this community in other places that I can then also monetize or just create more where i i enjoy or you can leverage it more where you have more exactly, leverage, exactly and where you have
1: more where you're getting more value out of what you made
0: exactly you cannot always articulate it better than even i can <laughs>
1: <laughs> no you're doing just fine
0: yeah so what are some of the parallels you you see in between Snapchat, Instagram taking features from another platform. I I think we're well aware that Facebook, Instagram is a juggernaut that will just move forward regardless of if the features are a little bit A like or a straight copy from another platform. They They didn't.
1: I will say, in fairness to Instagram Reels, they did add some enhancements. They also didn't carry over some features one hundred percent that they should have, but they added some enhancements in the like a sixty
0: second time limit. I hate that it's only fifteen seconds.
1: Exactly. I think they need to. I think they will expand that. I think that the easiest thing for them to do with their current code base was to kind of piggyback off of stories as it is. But they also rebuilt the entire UI around adding this thing. So that wasn't a small task either. You've done enough coding and development to know what that's like. So, um, you know, hats off to them for uh, moving on that. But the thing I will say is that I think that they have – the problem is I don't know that the cultures of TikTok and Instagram – are compatible for ev- for every creator, which is important. Which is Instagram why Instagram
0: is about being pretty and showing your highlight reel. And TikTok is like, look at this baby. Look at this uh, dog dancing. <laughs>
1: uh, well, it's also got a really interesting um, short form filmmaking community, skit community, comedy, humor, animation, VFX. Um, TikTok was like, very alternative in terms of its artistic tiktok is more artistic whereas instagram is emotional and expressive and is more irl but tiktok is edited whereas like instagram the thing is even though it's the highlight reel it's still also a gateway into that person's life versus tiktok is about someone's art in my mind in my mind i never
0: thought of it like that yeah, yeah. Because I was almost, I was almost thinking about it in the opposite way in terms of content. But then when you think about the actual creators on the platform, I don't know Charlie D'Amelio. Like, I don't know what she's about. You know, mm-hmm. it, maybe if I followed her on Instagram and saw her Instagram stories and her talking about things, or follow her Twitter feed, mm-hmm. I would have more insight on the actual creator. But TikTok sure is about those one of every ten TikToks that you make that go viral. And yeah. as an audience, you're like, oh, there's that person again. Okay, that's that's Tick- Charlie.
1: Yeah, TikTok in in a way is um, an accessible version of young creators that may have been inspired by someone like Mr. Beast. So, but uh, because the thing is, the thing that makes it accessible is in short form. They can find short forms of extremes that they can go to, and in short forms, they can pour every ounce of editing and effort and cinematography or choreography or writing a script into 60 seconds in a way where YouTube would not reward that. And so they would have to, for the effort they make for 20 TikToks, they'd have to make it for one YouTube video that might never be seen. So like that's the trade-off in um, the effort to value for a content creator now, I just do think that they should ultimately transition at some point after building an audience, and I'm going to get to that, but like I think that some creators will be able to bring their culture, not everybody, but some creators, maybe the performers, the dancers, the athletes, um, some of the memes, like some of those people will be able to transition into the culture of Instagram and bridge a gap there because there is community for that. And Instagram's so big. Instagram's so big that there is an audience for anything, right? But for a lot of them, I think a lot of people are going to go to Triller. Are you familiar with Triller?
0: No. What is Triller?
1: Triller is a creator first company. It's by creators for creators, and a lot of, um, in fact, several of the biggest TikTok uh, influencers already went and were acquired and paid for deals. The new thing is to buy talent now. It's exclusivity deals. The new thing with these platforms, with Twitch and Doctor Disrespect, you've seen it with Mixer, with Shroud and Ninja. I'm gonna look up. Yeah, Spotify and Rogan. It's
0: with a T. Triller
1: at Triller, um, there's a lot of content creators that are larger content creators that have invested millions of dollars in this. They have an 18 year old. That's a, the chief strategy officer. Um, that could be good or bad. There's, <laughs>
0: yeah. Who are some of the names attached to this?
1: Like, um, there's, I think his name is, I want to say, uh, Jake sweet, who I think had like 3 million on TikTok before. Um, okay. so that, um, Interesting, one of the investors is, um, you know, our favorite person, Mr. Jake Paul. Um,
0: Oh, interesting. He's one of the
1: investors. But Snoop Dogg's an investor, too, which is interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I look at it on the App Store, and it's number 10 in photo-video category. And then it has 140,000 ratings. So basically, this is an American TikTok. And it is
1: more than Byte is. I mean, Byte um, yeah. seemed the flop, but this is the reason that this is working is because it's a creator first platform, kind of like how um, you know uh, Jesse Ridgeway, uh, McJugger Nuggets did his thing, StoryFire. But with that, you have to apply. This is more like a regular social media app where where there's not any gatekeeping, um, and so. A lot of people are flocking to Triller because it is a creator-first platform, it's by creators by uh, for creators. My issue with this is I think you can break out in Triller and TikTok and these things, but we've seen the lack of longevity of these uh, platforms that don't get acquired by a bigger company, and we've seen also that they can decline in relevancy even when they're, uh, a, they seem like a juggernaut. Snapchat declined massively in relevancy because of its leadership, and that was a thing. Periscope was a standalone platform and it declined massively even before Twitter acquired it. And so, and even with Twitter acquiring it, it's not a leader in live streaming anymore.
0: Right, the fact that the U.S. government doesn't want TikTok to be in the U.S. Despite that, I think I think what? that's
1: overblown. When I've talked to security experts, yeah, I've talked to. Se- really, I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but I've talked to security I mean, he experts. He says a
0: lot of stuff, right? It's but, that
1: the data is so useless. It's so benign. I mean, if you're not yeah. an activist or protester, mind you, or you're not a Chinese right, defector, right. it's like you probably don't care. Right. There's no yeah. such thing as privacy anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, I understand both sides, but yeah. despite that fact of what's going on there, what is the use case of Triller like why? Because you know, just by looking at it, I'm like, okay, this is literally an exact TikTok copy, pretty the, much. So, so why?
1: The difference is the fact that it's led by creators, that it's made that by people like you. To get it's something I'm that not people. Gonna, it's something that know. younger people. Well, younger people in certain content creator communities that you and I aren't part of. Like you know how a lot of people are angry sometimes, you and I are not, but like a lot of people get very frustrated with YouTube and very angry with YouTube. Not and more YouTube as a culture and as a platform, and they think that YouTube, they feel you've heard this, people feel YouTube doesn't put creators first and they think they should. I actually disagree with the idea of being a creator first company.
0: I can get really frustrated with YouTube, but at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't want this job. Having billions of hours uploaded to your servers 24 seven, the amount of stuff that they juggle. Like I, even though I do get frustrated with some things, I understand that I'm playing with something that they have built and that that never existed, that they are offering me an audience, you know? that literally my entire career is based off of what they have built. So I, I do tend, I think, to try to look at the bigger picture, even though, you know, I think they're trying. I think that's what's important to see, is that they're at least trying, because they know that a lot of their ad dollars does rely on these big creators. You know, you you want to see these uh, creators' faces. I'm sure they're showing more of their content than they are, you know, some of the more scandalous side of YouTube. So I've, it, I've is suggested a, it is a they do relationship more for the creators. both sides. Yeah, I yeah,
1: know. I see both sides of it. I've suggested they do more for the creators. I just like playing devil's advocate. You know me. You've known me yeah, for a oh long yeah, time. Oh, yeah. Funny thing is, whenever I get frustrated with YouTube, I remember them paying for Comcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god and they're just so much shade
1: right <laughs> like um yeah. but for real though but for real though um and it's
0: interesting now that i'm on this triller app yeah it looks exactly like tiktok it is so it's clone is that the something right so is that something that you would say you know let's get into the advice for tiktokers who find oh, yeah. an audience what is the next step for them
1: i think the thing is you have to um you have to go where you feel the culture of what you do will fit best and you need the reason that people came to TikTok is the break the breakthrough barrier felt lower for the thing that they would want to do and the thing is the cost of experimentation to make a video that's 15 to 60 seconds is not as high as the pain of making a 5 to 10 minute YouTube video if it doesn't work out so I can understand that. Not to mention the fact that, as Gary Vee would say, they could take so many swings in a day, they have so many at bats, and it doesn't feel um, bad. And the thing is, because it's like it didn't feel like this colossal investment on their part to do and because it's a mobile first if not mobile only platform the accessibility to create is there for people and there's so many cool apps on your phone to like be able to make and do cool stuff and there are all these techniques and it also was for a generation that felt they missed out on vine and grew up watching viners on youtube and watching vine compilations on youtube so that was all of the reasons to go to tiktok in the first place was we had friends like elliot right who was able to do massively successful um hundreds of thousands in tiktok Um, When he couldn't break through, even with all the support, like he couldn't break through initially on YouTube and he didn't necessarily know what he wanted YouTube to be back then. Because the thing is with TikTok, you don't have to be something. You can do anything. Whereas with YouTube, you kind of have to, it's almost like, all right, choose your career path or all right, make your character sheet. You're locked into this Dungeons and Dragons character sheet, like forever now, like it feels that way. Um, So TikTok allows and rewards experimentation and it, it rewarded a sense of randomness. It offered a freedom that people didn't feel they have in other platforms and it made it accessible. So that was the good news. Here's what I would say about that. Even if you blow up in one of these platforms and you get a decent-sized audience, you need to have some ownership of the audience well outside and beyond. I actually have notes here for a video I'm making about this. Probably dropping it today. Um,
0: Spill because, the beans.
1: Yeah, because there's, there's so much to this because the problem is that if you, um, you're not an influencer, if you cannot actually activate your audience to do something at that point, you're just a performer. You're not necessarily an influencer because when people say, well, I can't take people off of this platform to this platform, then what influence do you have over the audience? Because if you can't take them off of a platform to do something, how are you even valuable to a brand or a sponsor? And have you built your, do you, I mean, do you have viewers or do you have a brand do you have a strong sense of community do you have something you're known for so what you have to, what you would have to do and something that i'm talking about is you know that i've been this largest advocate for be platform agnostic these platforms ain't loyal homie like be platform agnostic don't be loyal to a platform they're not going to be loyal to you when it comes down to it they're going to choose themselves so just understand that build loyalty with the audience
0: Yeah. And a good plus too. when you start to think about I in my brain, I always go to worst case scenario. So if you go to that place in your head and there's this world where none of these platforms maybe even exist, but you still have value outside of being that performer or influencer. Like I know if everything disappeared tomorrow, I could film and edit and produce the most like bomb ads ever for companies, you know? There's there's a certain skill there that you have and that you cultivate. And so that's why I think personally for anyone who has a TikTok audience, it's, it's a great time when you have influence in one space to really use it to maybe connect with other creators and develop skills that go beyond that platform. Because like mm-hmm. you said, YouTube is gonna take more work, you oh, know? Yeah a lot more work.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. The other thing I would tell people is if you made money, don't pocket or run off with that money and don't go buy things. Don't go buy a Lambo, invest in yourself and in your personal development so that if you are, if you're an entertainer, you may not feel like you have skills or legitimate fallback skills or soft skills, hard skills, career skills, anything like that, that's valuable. So guess what? Take that money and invest in yourself. Whether that means you go and you actually pay and you get acting lessons, you get singing lessons and voice training like Gabbie Hanna did, you go and even theoretically take a couple of courses and develop something else like maybe formal writing classes and so on and so forth so that you can um, try to submit some of your stuff and maybe it gets picked up by a show or television or you write something you, you know, or you go and you actually invest in becoming a cinematographer so that you have the gear so that you can go out and you can shoot things and do commercial work and so on and so forth. Um, you find some way to invest in yourself or even set aside money and God forbid, maybe, and I'm not always the biggest advocate of this, uh, of, uh, like, but maybe you set aside money just in case you decide, you know what, just in case I will set aside the money to where I could go back to school or I could go to school when it was never an option for me if you couldn't afford it before. Well, maybe you can afford it now off the back of this. So those are some things. The other thing I would say is, um, you can break out in a new platform, whether it's TikTok, Triller, or the next five things that happens over the next five years. But the thing is, you should immediately have a plan to funnel an audience and build an audience on YouTube or Instagram or on Twitch. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're not, not going, going to run anywhere. out of money. They ain't Amazon,
0: going Google, Facebook. <laughs> Amazon,
1: Google, Facebook. They ain't going to run out of money. They have more yeah. money. Each of them has more money than the Vatican. They ain't going nowhere, homie. They're, mm-hmm. they're good. They're good. So you want longevity? If you want longevity, go where the money is. Go where the platform is. They might change the rules, but they're not going to go away. And if it comes down to it, I don't think the government's going to shut them down. I think it's more likely they buy the government. than that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or they get broken up. And that's fine, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I think they literally buy it before they let that happen. I think they'll just say, <laughs> yeah. you know what? We'll just go shopping for senators before we let that happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's one I of kid, those things I, kid, that but- <laughs> I, I know. Well, and it's one of those things that I, I've usually been on. You know, I'm very like pro capitalism. Yay. But it's been crazy to see over the past 10 years and having an inside look at all of these huge companies and having, conversations directly with representatives of these com- companies yeah. I'm not going to say specific ones but sure all of the little companies that they're building inside their big company it does get a bit scary when they're like yeah we're building this because this company has had its success and we're just going to roll it into our already existent platforms and I'm thinking no okay yeah you I mean, it will literally be the three to four company overlords that will just I, own I every single company, you know? And I'm like, hmm, maybe there is a line there that you, uh, there, that you shouldn't there, cross into monopolies, you know? <laughs> there,
1: There is, and we say that. But the thing is, no one wants to use the second best thing. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. we give up so much for convenience. We gave up privacy for convenience. I never thought, back when I saw MySpace, you remember MySpace? Oh, Yeah. When I saw Good MySpace, times. you know what went through my mind? I was like, immediately, I went conspiracy. I went conspirasoid, and I was like, back then, the born identity was the thing. I'm like, you realize we all just gave up a government dossier for free. You realize that they usually have, like, people in a skiff room, 30 people working around the clock for 72 hours to get the information we just gave up on MySpace,
0: yeah. And then when I, well, Facebook,
1: I, it was the same thing. I was like, yeah, "Okay, this yeah. is straight up. Look, your 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 friends list. Th- that's called your like your um your known associates. That's your that's like your known associates. You're checking in and you're showing them literally your patterns of what coffee house you go to every morning and everything like that. These are your locations, your previous lived history. Literally, this is all the stuff they were looking for for Jason Bourne and Maria for like thirty hours to compile this information. You just filled yeah. it out in five minutes. Well,
0: hope yeah, and hopefully we see. More- More of companies like Apple drawing that line to all of the government agencies that are like, hey, we need this information. And those companies being like, no, we don't work for the government, right? Yeah. I hope being in the US, we still maintain that line in between the corporations and the government because that's, I feel like that's what makes us unique. And hopefully those. The number two and three and four solutions do exist because I feel like, in a lot of ways, That's so much those better. are the people that put pressure on the big dogs to continue to innovate. I mean, I think we've seen with internet providers, if you yes. only have Xfinity in your area, you're screwed. Yeah. You know, I used to live in Nashville. The only option I had was Xfinity. I was like, where's my Verizon Fios? And when there's not options, then guess what? Xfinity. Xfinity doesn't have to innovate. They don't have to care if you're- You have no leverage of as a consumer. it's the only consumer. option. exactly. When there's no competition,
1: exactly. consumers have no leverage. When there's no competition and you can't threaten to leave because where are you gonna go?
0: Exactly. And,
1: like, you know, and the thing is, a lot of these companies, to be honest though, they push innovation for their own sake because they are afraid that there's disruption. Cause if you're not, you know, if you don't keep moving, somebody's gonna right. come for the crown.
0: Right. So, so hopefully that maintains. Yeah, That's my hope. You know. <laughs> but
1: I I think they're so insane though in just a what can we do that they wouldn't stop trying. So I'm not worried about them not innovating, but I am worried about them not giving customers a voice and not giving users a voice because like where else are you gonna go? You're screaming so loud, what else are you gonna do? I think that a lot of people feel like YouTube is that way because there's not really a viable direct competitor, but I don't believe there can be. There's the only thing that I the only last bastion of hope for a direct YouTube competitor versus a YouTube of is maybe Spotify. Spotify is positioning more, I would argue, as a Twitch app is
0: so clunky though. I know. The, Dude, I try I tried listening to podcasts on there, but it's just, it's just gonna forever be my music hub. The desktop it is just experience a is good.
1: The desktop yeah, experience me, is good, but their mobile UI, if we're in a mobile first and for some people a mobile early only world, aside from being a video editor at this point, aren't you almost mobile only, Sarah?
0: I mean, honestly, I I'm still like computer all day really (laughs) like like literally when it comes to most of the stuff that i do whether it's i mean i'll do email messages and stuff but when it comes to productivity whether i'm in notion or i'm in my other productivity apps whether i'm watching youtube watching Amazon, any of the things. I am at my desktop computer. Interesting. And even even if I want to, you know, be somewhere else, I'm here talking to you via Zoom on my Dell XPS 13-inch. So it's, I'm like, and I guess if you guys watch me on YouTube, you know, like I'm... I love computers.
1: <laughs> you about you're about that you know? laptop life.
0: You're about that. I'm about laptop that life. laptop life, man. Yeah. Um, but I but I understand that the next generation is so different because all of a sudden they are editing videos, they are editing pictures, they are doing everything on a iPhone or an iPad, and it's it's so interesting that coming from more professional creative tools, that a lot of these professional Companies can't figure it out on mobile. They just can't. Yeah.
1: As someone with a graphic design background, it's absurdly hard. <laughs> I'll say that. In all. But the thing is, they make enough money and they have enough people and enough talent to figure it out. And it's frustrating that it's not a priority, apparently.
0: So with talking with these other platforms, what are the, the uses of TikTok still, Instagram, YouTube? maybe people out there who want to be creators are creators. What should they be doing now in this new world that we're living in? Because right, things change all the time.
1: <laughs> First thing you do is you land grab, especially like whether you're small, medium, large, you land grab, new platform comes out, grab your name before somebody else does. So land grab, right? Um, next thing, make yourself, here's the thing we have it as advantage of YouTube, make yourself searchable because if you're relevant, if you're relevant, you're so and you're big, even if it's 10,000, 20,000, like that's a sizable audience. People underestimate that. I think no one appreciates how big their audience is because all they do is they look at rock stars, they look at the PewDiePie's, the Mr. Beast, the Charlie D'Amelio's, and then they say, oh, I'm small. And then when like me or Nick Nimmin tweets them a picture of um, an arena or a stadium of 5,000 people, that, like what now?
0: Yeah. what now? Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Or if like, all right, let me put you on stage at Vid Summit and then tell me like that you're sad about 300 people showing up for you. Like you'll be sitting there, oh God, that's so many people. i am intimidated. Like, you know, but you're going to cry about it for views, right? So the thing I would say is um, if you are a TikTok creator, then definitely move immediately to YouTube. Um, Even if you have to figure it out, the first thing you could do is you could start, one, if you're a known TikToker, you have like, you know, a couple thousand followers, move to YouTube so that your people can find you when they search for your name in Google or in YouTube or whatever, and that it's you and not someone else making compilations. Go ahead and make compilations and different compilations of your TikTok because it's easy content for you to farm to get started and that people already want from you. And then also, you're just curious people will search for TikTok compilations and you'll be in there. So you have a path in the search engine, the algorithm, and you have a way to make your name a search topic. So you have that advantage. So go there and do that. Then you could also start the metagame of reacting to your own um, so reacting to my old cringy TikToks, uh, re- like worst TikToks of all time compilation. You could start just literally doing that.
0: taking the playbook out of what the Viners did.
1: Exactly. So when you start that way, but then you also start experimenting and seeding non-TikTok and TikTok related content into your YouTube channel. You make skits, you know, like it's like um, you could even do things. It's like you can even literally meme the end of TikTok. You have like so many days now you can literally like I like, you know, you could pull this whole thing. I That's would probably if, yeah. I probably would be sitting out there and I would be making YouTube comedy skits about TikTok and I would be like sitting there probably with a sandwich sign that says the end is nigh, <laughs> you know, and like, well, like
0: like the countdown to the end. That would be really interesting if a TikToker created a 45-day vlog that was basically being like, hey guys, hang out with me as we count down to the end and we'll just be hanging out and having fun And you could rally times. the
1: TikTok fan community around yeah. your content right now because you have an in because they yep. have a stake and stuff like that. I mean, right now, I mean, I'm getting ready to make a video, another video. Because I made a video it's like three weeks ago, four weeks ago telling TikTokers how to transition specifically to YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitch. I was giving them specific contextual advice for the platforms. I talked about the fact that, at least with YouTube, it's monetized very early. Um, I talked about that right now, the format that you could use uh, Twitter to stay relevant and to ride on the hashtags around the ban and say this is the kind of content you're losing. You could do all kinds of things. you have Instagram, you could IGTV your old archive before uh, Reels came. There's so many things like um, but I have to make an updated video because of Reels. And also I want to mention Triller now because um, it might be an option because there might be people who want to be on a platform that is led by creators so they feel they'll be heard because um, that's a big thing. Now, what I will say is I also... Like the way that I'm even planning to somewhat capitalize off this after this help video is at some point closer to the end of it. I'm going to literally probably make some kind of video. It's like, um, let the invasion, let the um, TikTok invasion of 2020 begin. And I'm literally going to somewhat sarcastically take full responsibility for the invasion of the TikTokers as a kind of a joke slash meme. But then in all seriousness, this is why. Um, the, the cool thing that TikTokers can bring to the YouTube culture and community and platform and that um, there's a lot of cool stuff that I see artistically in the TikTok community that could be a revival and renaissance on YouTube in terms of short form animation, filmmaking, VFX, um, and bringing sketch comedy back to YouTube in a way that we haven't seen since like the early 2010s.
0: I mean, sketch comedy was YouTube. I remember all those early video. I mean, people like Superwoman and all mm-hmm. of that. Ray and William it, Johnson. Ray William, yeah. Um, Epic and, Rap
1: Battles of History.
0: Oh, so many things, right? And honestly, the past five years, I don't think I've watched one type of that video, like Ever, and it's really lost its charm in my view. I mean, I maybe because I'm older now, I can't sit and watch a superwoman video. Same, it's like dang, this is cringy as hell. So, but I, also, I, I don't like, think
1: her comedy completely I love Lily to death, but I also don't think her comedy evolved with the times,
0: right? Right, and yeah, that and it's just like, okay, this is not for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. clearly, but I'll sit on TikTok for hours literally hours and be cracking up. It's probably the only, the only platform. If I want to feel joy, I know that my TikTok algorithm is going to help me out with putting a smile on my face. So I I think if they can figure that out for YouTube, man, that would be fantastic. But how do you pair that with videos that need to be longer? So, you know,
1: I think the animation community figured that out by realizing that they need the balance quality and quantity, and in this case, quantity is not frequency of upload, but rather um, duration of upload. And so they figured it out in a method of using storytelling devices. I mean, Andrew Turbia is probably the best example of this right now, is he used relevant culture topics and things happening in YouTube and Internet culture and in the world, and then used um, very cool but simplified animation in order to communicate and tell the stories of the community in a way they wanna hear and also ask interesting questions. And so he, um, he does this and he does this relatively um, you know, quickly. And so when I think about all these other things, I'm like, okay, you made this thing and you made it short form and it was like 10 to um, 60 seconds. But you are also putting so much and making it the most impactful, the most like freaking high octane you can. Okay. But what's the threshold of acceptable quality? You and I used to talk about this concept a lot. It's like, does everything have to always be a 90 to a 100? Or is it that there is a lot of people who actually can't tell the difference between 80 and 90? And if which, you, is,
0: which is depressing as a creator. A little something bit. something that you really have to figure out. Because that almost killed me last year when I thought everything had to just be like spick and spam perfect. But then you realize you spend half a third amount of the time on a non-fancy video and it gets so many more views. The comments are like, wow, this is the real Sarah. This is what we've missed. And then as a creator, you get a little depressed because it didn't take you as long as the, the majestic video that you just made. But you do realize you need to filter those in.
1: We make the mistake of misinterpreting effort as value. Mm. Like we think because we worked and tried hard, that's the same thing as creating more value when that's not because I learned that value is the experience the other person has. And I realized that just like in real life in friendships and relationships that like sometimes simple is better, simple and clean, like just simple and clean. And people are very happy with that. And they're very happy also with consistency. They're very happy to just know someone cared enough to show up or to be on time. You know, the thing I'm horrible at usually is being on time, but it matters so much more to people that you're on time instead of perfect. It matters so much people that you show up and you don't ghost them instead of saying, if I can't be perfect, I just won't be here.
0: Hmm. (laughs) Yep. Preach. (laughs) So for the people who maybe don't even care about TikTok, but let's move into more YouTube podcasting, building a brand. Uh, outside of just being a personality, but maybe for your business. Mm. How do you see the landscape in 2020 of starting a podcast, starting a YouTube channel, or just making ads and then running them on these certain platforms? What are your thoughts between the differences? Because I talk to a lot of people and sometimes they don't see or maybe the effort to make organic content isn't worth it to them when they're just trying to sell a product
1: i think that what people don't look at is the thing that i look at because i think that um a lot of people in the business world only look at traffic and transaction and that's the equation in their head they don't realize that trust is the bridge between the two so all they're looking at is can i get more sales and oh if i get more traffic then i can get more sales and that's the only thing. And they're they're just looking at how do I get more traffic? Does this action get me more traffic? And did it lead to more sales? What they fail to realize is that the gap and the bridge between that is trust. Is trust. And they're not how positioning. Deep are you going? Hmm?
0: Like how how deep can you go? Not just casting the widest net.
1: Exactly so. And the thing is, it's also about a reliable net that's not gonna kind of fall apart either. It's like, there's a qualitative, there's a, like the effort that you made to establish your reputation. So if you, if you um, don't have a fully established company, but you made a great product, but nobody's talking about you, no one has used it, nobody is vetted and everything like that in the world of the internet. And even in the world of just the regular world, how does someone know you're not a fly by night? How do they know that they're going to get good customer service and support? How do they know that you're going to be around? You know, because we've seen that. So the thing is, that's where also sometimes these platforms matter and things like, primary example, when you put an affiliate link and people can see that it's an Amazon affiliate link, that matters because they trust Amazon, they're familiar with it, they know that, they're comfortable. But if it's something else, then people are like, oh, what is this? You know, so that's an example, right? With regard to traffic, if all right, if you just run ads, but then I can't find anything when I Google you, I'm suspicious. I'm sussed. I'm out. You know, it's like mm, suspicious. I don't or know. It's
0: like, OK, you have that fire Instagram story ad. But then when you go to the actual Instagram page, because that's what I do, I get targeted all the time for IG story ads that I'm intrigued by. So I go to their profile, but if there's literally zero pictures and I have no idea what kind of brand they are or what they're trying to sell me, you ain't me, getting, what is getting the my lifestyle? card, you ain't getting exactly. my info. <laughs> exactly. Like I need that extra step of who are these people? What's the deal? Are there aesthetic pictures that I can like go and browse and understand what they're trying to sell me? So I mean what you're saying, it's really that that full package, right?
1: Yeah. I gotta go to your website and I gotta know, okay, this is legit and this isn't trash and everything like that. I got to see it's a secure website. Got to be HTTPS, homie. Got to gotta have that. <laughs> yeah. Like, even yeah. I had to go and do that. Like, I had to make sure my SSL and everything was um, good to go. So, like, I, I feel that people don't put in the work a lot of times or don't think they, like building YouTube like stuff. I mean, like, look at, um, look at me and look at you. It's like when people go, they can see our body of work. They can see that we know what we're talking about when people like the thing that's not disputable, like with me right now is the fact that I show all my analytics. There's almost no one who does that. Like I, I I mean, last weekend I spent five hours in a live stream that's still up on my channel, just answering questions and going through every single panel of my analytics dashboard, ad revenue and all. Nothing off limits. Nothing was off limits. And, you know, that means something to people. That means something to people when they know, wow, there is a level of transparency I don't see. Um, Now, not everyone has to do that. But, like, in the area of arena of coaching and talking about YouTube stuff, I knew that that would matter to people because they feel like they – They need that
0: transparency and that they can trust you.
1: But I also – added value not just okay here's me I'm the honest joe I was like no I'm showing you this because I see analytics differently than most people and I read them differently than most people and I'm like I can't teach you in 5 minutes what I agonize over 50 hours a month like or something like I can't so like I have to long form it and depth matters to people if you're teaching something but if you're selling something whether it's education or even a physical product physical product They need to see use cases. They need to see how people experience the product in the real world. That's why brands love you and they work with you is you do such great, thorough, in-depth breakdown and show us the real experience of the product, what it's like to hold it in the hand, what it's like in everyday life. You do that very well. Gerald and Dunn does a deep dive, like the best I've ever seen. Uh, Judner, your average consumer with his day in the life stuff. Like You three in terms of if you want to know, in my opinion, if you want to know what committing to a product is going to feel like you're the only three people that I really watch for that for that particular thing
0: okay you know what Roberto I'm going to go selfish okay. and and I do this for every I feel like collab we do and I say Roberto give me an audit what can okay. I be doing better this is what mm. Roberto gets paid big bucks to do okay. so I am leveraging my platform right. to what <laughs> use are his your, smarts what to are help your,
1: me what are your three biggest challenges and what are your three biggest goals
0: I would say challenges is the balance between the fast paced tech landscape and actually making videos I wanna make. I would say it would be the quantity versus quality For some reason, I feel like I always have to put in that effort for it to be valuable. But time and time again, I prove myself that that's not the case. Um, That's why literally just this past week, I made the most simple vlog ever on my phone. And I feel like people are gonna enjoy it. (laughs) But I always struggle with that. And, you know, so I, I would say, okay, so those are two struggles. And then goals, the biggest goal, I'll give you one big goal is to be able to have more of a, a macro view on, like of my brand and my personality and my things, so I can grow again. For a long time, I've been very heads down, which has been fine, I've experienced growth, but very rarely am I sitting and analyzing and looking at the YouTube landscape and thinking about a thumbnail and title that I know will take me to that next level. It's me, more of me playing uh, catch up you know, it's, it's more mm. of me being like, oh, I have to make this type of video, but I'm not going to worry about having a thumbnail because I just forget. And I'm lazy with that because I'm a, I'm a video maker. I want to make the video yeah. as good as possible. Everything else, I just I forget about Got it. it.
1: <laughs> you need to look at this as your overarching, your overarching problem is the problem I had and where I'm actually I'm still working on this problem myself. But it's the problem that I help creators solve all the time. I just need to actually fix it for me for real, for real this time instead of halfway. Um, Because I have a team now, but they don't help me with my YouTube content. They help me with my other business, right? Here's what you need. You already have a team and you're in delegation mode, but it's not enough clearly because the thing is, you still are working too much in your business instead of on your business right now, Sarah. You are still, and the thing is, the quality you want should be able to be separated from the effort you yourself have to make because you have the resources and you need to be the talent and the director and you need to let go of a lot more things. And I know that's hard for a creative, but the thing is you don't have to play the game like an up and comer anymore because you are the talent, you are the face, and people are invested in you and your story and your delivery. And the thing is you need to – train and enable and put people in a position to enhance the quality of what you do um, without you being involved in that because then your thought and your ideas, if you get to put, imagine if you got to put twice the effort into your ideas instead of the mm. execution of them.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's what I need in my life.
1: And the thing Cause is I got,
0: and that's the thing. That's what got me here is me staying up all night in thinking and strategizing and then executing because I didn't have really all of the strategy and the thinking and the ideating has now been replaced by brand deals and it being my job you know when I didn't have it being my job it was all it wasn't just the art but it was strategy and it was all-encompassing And Mm. it's it's kind of unfortunate that once it's your job, a lot of that is replaced and it is about, you know, understanding how your role changes, because I want to hang on to a lot of things. Right.
1: I'm the same way. I'm the same problem. I have the same problem. I should have already trained and replaced and made a better graphic designer than me to do everything. Um, I should have trained a worthy apprentice, you know, like you know, in the proud tradition of the Sith yeah. Lords, I should have trained a worthy, yeah. oppressive apprentice and just make sure he doesn't throw me down the shaft of the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that being said, I think that you need to look at the expansion of your team and you need uh, people that can help you, you take your brand to the next level by them having absolute priorities because you, you like me, are a polymath. The problem with being good at a lot of things is that we then convince ourselves that that's a justification for doing all of them. And that's a problem. Um, it's a luxury problem, but it's still a problem. And to be able to take your brand to the next level for growth, the thing is growth comes as a, as a result of um, addressing the issues of capacity. You and I talked about the fact, um, you and I think we have this conversation every six months that your, um, your bottleneck is your capacity. And the thing is, because you're ambitious, just because you grew your capacity six months ago to do more and do stuff, doesn't mean that it's enough anymore because your goal shifted, the goalpost moved, your ambition moved, and you're not giving the resources that your ambition requires, and you're draining yourself because you're limited by what you, yourself, you have so many things to do. There's a limit on your energy, there's a limit on your time, there's a limit on your capacity. And the thing is, when you look at the people who grow in this community, in this world, they, put, they have the work of like a large group of people that have 40 hours dedicated to a singular task that they do to perfection. And you, you can't, if you're, putting, if you're putting yourself into five things, those five things never can see their full potential uh, done they'll still be better than most people's 100% effort at those things because you just have that level of ability and experience. But that itself is not an excuse because it's still not the best you could do if you had more resources and leveraged other people's time to fill in gaps. So that's like your big overarching problem that I think. In terms of an audit of your brand, I am writing down
0: notes right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, do you have a full-time... Um, Um, Graphic designer and animator on your team someone who's like a photoshop after effects person
0: so kind of yes Actually, uh his name is drayton, and he's the one who makes all of my memes and i'm about to pivot him to more um doing a lot of thumbnail work and Bingo. continue in the, the meme stuff. Yeah.
1: Yes. That is important. Cause that's something
0: I'm, I'm terrible with. So yeah. that's been the easiest thing to actually delegate. Cause it's very easy. He just, he has the talent and I, mm. I'm good enough to recognize his talent, but I'm not good enough to do better than him. So that's yes. actually been very easy to recognize. Oh, you rock at this. We're going to give you the reins.
1: Today. So I think you're good at getting rid of now finally things that you're bad at. Right. What are things What are things that you need to do that you dislike doing that are draining your energy?
0: It's sad to admit because it's what I'm good at, but it's video editing. So that's what I've been working on the past few months. And I've actually gotten much more success with it, finding someone. Um, And I think just getting in a better flow with them is what will help bridge that gap. But it's Mm. it's a lot of recognizing what makes my videos special and what are the videos that I can fully hand off and what are the videos that I should be editing the first 30% and then they can take it the rest of the way. So that's what I've, it's it's basically gotten to a point where I've found I think the right people and I'm getting better with being quicker, with shifting things when they're not working out because that's been my worst thing in the past. I'll hang on to someone who's just failing me miserably, but I'm too busy to like look for another person that'll hang on to them, drain money and time into them. And then it's not worth it. So it's it's been one of those things where I think my biggest challenge now is now connecting all of the puzzle pieces and really mm. tying the, the bows on top of everything. So
1: the thing is, you're learning to be a better manager. So that's part of it.
0: Right. Have you right. considered
1: even in the operations and management side? Because you, you're you've been getting good at staffing creative. You don't have help with management. You don't have right you, have you considered have you considered in PG Enterprises hiring either an operations person or a general manager, someone who loves spreadsheets, someone who loves project management systems, someone who loves scheduling, somebody who can become the czar of your time, somebody who can even hold you accountable, but also will be your second brain remember everything that you forget and like free up that mental bandwidth have you looked at an operation yeah
0: no i mean i think that's a really good idea i think i'm getting there two different ways and that i have a really good management team that helps me with the brand side of things but i was missing
1: isn't that like two west or something
0: yeah 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 but then i was missing the side That was kind of holding me accountable on the creative side. So, I've just put out a thing about hiring an office manager. And I think via that, I've actually found two good people one who's really good at just coming, getting the studio sorted, hanging shelves, cleaning up, uh, doing boxes that I. So, that's your general manager.
1: That's someone who basically minds the store.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And then I found another person that I think just has a general knowledge of things um, that will help me be accountable to just they're going to be at the office and they're ready to be there for me filming so i can't be lazy and say ah, i'm not going to the office today okay
1: so that's a pa that's a pa so here's and that's, where that's I,
0: what helps is sorry. helping me
1: so you have so you have an uh, you have a you have a general manager you have an office manager you have a you have a pa that's two i think you need a third leg of the tripod in your management team and what i think you need is i think where does that two?
0: money come from though roberto that person oh, okay. sounds expensive roberto
1: I can. All right. So I, the, here's the thing I'm probably, I'm best
0: a New at the, York Roberto.
1: Here's the thing I'm probably best at the world at is making people more money. <laughs> if I did in corporate as <laughs> all I did was make yeah. people richer. Like, yeah. like um, but yeah. anyway, the, uh, then I did it for myself. <laughs> um, so I, I'll get to that part of, because there's another thing I recognize that you have a gap in, in your brand um, that I don't know if you knew is, um, but let's see we so we addressed um, you stuff that you're you you're not good at stuff that you um, don't like. Are there tedious things that you still do that you shouldn't be doing that anybody could do?
0: It's the it's the office stuff. It's the okay, breaking so you address boxes. That. Yeah. Okay. So I've addressed that. Yeah.
1: OK, so great. That's the because that's the thing with like, OK, what am I not good at? Um, what don't I like? And right. what is a waste of my time? Like those are right. the three biggies. That is
0: done. Yeah. So we
1: got that. We got you. All right. We fixed your productivity problems. Yay. Yay. Um, so let's move on. I'll, I'll go to your motivation stuff and also to the artsy side of what it's like to live as a creator. But like, let's go to money. Let's go to business. Let's go to money. Here's a major gap. I see like, how are you doing on passive income?
0: Yeah. Um. not as good as I used to because I really don't care about it as much anymore. Um <laughs> yeah but like i used to be more serious about affiliate and all of that stuff but i just you know when you just get busy and mm. i think for me i mean I'm, I'm working on it slowly it has to work out for there's like literally zero downside so when it comes to courses knowledge beyond just what i put on youtube i'm never gonna do that unless i knew no i can do it 100 percent right yeah so, i don't think you, you need know. to
1: do that because i don't necessarily think that that's necessarily what your audience values.
0: Right, right. I so what do that, you what do you see as that passive income then?
1: I see. So the thing is, I love, I'm a big fan of, as a gamer, it's ironic to say this. As a gamer, it's ironic to say this. But as a businessman, I love microtransactions, Sarah. I figured out some interesting equations when it came to my thesis on stuff like passive income. It occurred to me that if you figure out even a $15 transaction every hour of the day, every day of the year, um, even on one product. If you have one product that nets you $15 in profit and you have enough traffic to close one $15 sale every hour of every day, which is not that big of a deal, that would be 131,400, like that'd be $131,400. Uh, uh, $1, That's six figures on the net profit of one $15 uh, micro transaction that somebody could do on the internet. As long as one of those is happening every hour of every day. Um, you know, we have big enough audiences to make that kind of thing work and $15 net profit isn't a lot. So then we're talking a less than $20 transaction. Our homie, Peter McKinnon, brilliant. Um, presets, let's packs, uh, sound effects. Dunzo, you know? Um, easy transactions, $35 and less, massive audience, massive scale. Um, There's no way in my mind that Peter doesn't sell one of those every hour of every day for how much attention he has and how much traffic he can siphon. And and it's in place. He doesn't have to do anything at this point. So the front load of effort that I know you could do is because I know that knowledge, you would be like, it's gotta be 100 or not at all. But the thing is, I know that people would buy peachy presets. I know that people would buy peachy presets. I know for a fact that they absolutely would. And I know that you can um, knock out like three uh, preset packs that mm-hmm. people be more than happy to buy.
0: Yeah, I know for me what I am, and maybe it's just because I have other things going on, is for me like it's like building up so much value to when I do have that one thing that I want people to sign up for and that is Switchboard that Mm -hmm. they will feel like I have presented them with so much value that of course, you know? So I do need to realize that Audience is a little bit more, you know, people are fluctuating. So that same person you're providing value to last year might not be there when you have that one thing. So I, I think for me, it's kind of just getting out of the thought process that like, oh, it's just one audience. Like, no, it's not just one audience. It's mm-hmm. a slew of people who are coming in and out every single month. Right. And to just a churn. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think where my thinking does need to
1: change. When you're a YouTuber and you're like very much, you're very much, you're more than a YouTuber. You are a straight up creative entrepreneur, but your beginnings of that really were fostered and validated in YouTube, which means that you look at a lot of your creative business through the lens of a YouTuber, even though you've since moved well beyond that identity, you know, you've moved beyond that, but it frames so much of your worldview and perspective. Um, in terms of how you interpret that and also how you interpret the relationship you have with your audience. Have you ever built um, actual personas and avatars for who your desired audience is every year? Because you evolve every year. I've watched you. You've grown so much. I literally have watched you grow into this boss businesswoman like, over the last like four years. And it's been amazing. But like you're so far removed from where you started. It's not even comparable.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I think it's just... I just go with the changes so – because, I mean, I'm going through it again right now and just deciding that I don't want to be the end-all, be-all. After two years of, like, reviewing every laptop, I'm like, I'm done with that for at least now. I need to just figure out the bigger story, kind of go back to what does my audience – I want every single video to be an exciting video for someone who watches Peachy, and that's where I'm at now. So I think I don't put it down on paper, but I definitely do in my mind – kind of envision like, okay, what is this next year? What is this next two years? How do I want to approach it?
1: An exercise that I would tell you as a fellow entrepreneur is to make two avatars, like my two avatars right now. Um, I need another one that's more of an, I have two business avatars. I need an audience avatar and I'm still working on that. But I have two business avatars kind of for stuff that I sell. So I have Katie the creative and Raul the hustler. These are my two um, avatars. And Katie Katie is um, very much like you and like me, but like a younger version of me, which is actually a lot of where I relate to you. Like, um, But like Katie, the creative in my mind is, um, you know, 24, 25 years old, um, is a freelancer, um, has left college, is still like trying to figure out her way in the world, wants to be more independent, is making good money, but not a lot of it. It's making about 25 grand a year, lives in a small town, not a lot of creative people to talk to. And Um, one of the things that she would value the most is if she could actually have transparency and pricing when she does graphic design work and photography, because none of the people locally like will tell her because they view her as competition and it's a small town with not a lot of, um, outlet and resources. And she just doesn't have anyone she can talk to and she doesn't have formal training and her actual mentor. So like that's someone who's a business avatar for me, Raul. Raul is uh, the first person in his family from an immigrant family to ever start a business, and he had to leave at 30-something. He had to leave his corporate life and career to finally venture on his own and build the business he always wanted. But he's screwed because he's a solo entrepreneur now, and he has no social life, and he lives in his business. And instead of working on it, he's always in it. And even though he's making twice as much money as he did when he was in corporate, he's working five times as hard, and he can't figure out how to fix that equation. So like these are the two people that I try to solve problems for. One of them needs to figure out a better workflow process and life balance and needs to manage their time very, very differently. The other one needs to become more educated about the business of creativity. Those are two different problems, but those are easily two people you could see me really relating to. And wanting and I to I love solve problems. looking
0: at it through the lens of look, these are real people and these are going to be the lens that I create through. And I, I think actually being intentional and thinking about that, because obviously you've thought about it a lot is mm. can help and is important.
1: Intention is everything, Sarah. Intention is everything. And when everything we do is informed by some kind of North Star of like, what's the substantive value? Like you said, you want everyone to walk away excited from your video and having enjoyed your video. But what is the value you want them to take with them in that experience? Like what is it that you want to be enhanced beyond that surface of enjoyment, which is by the way, by itself is fine. We need that right now, especially in lockdown, especially with the world burning down. Like we need that, but it's like, is there another level of depth? So like layering value, the thing is, we think of value proposition as a one-time thing or as like, oh, I'm entertaining or I'm an educator or I'm inspiring. Instead of thinking about, well, there are layers and how many ways, how many different ways can someone watch the same thing and derive different experiences and value? And are we acting intentionally to where maybe in minute one, you get this nugget of value and this was fun, but in minute two, we stacked and we get we gave you a little bit more. And on, like in the next third of the video, we gave you a little bit more value And again, it doesn't always have to be value in the form of you learned something. It's about even maybe you questioned something or you got introduced to something that you haven't experienced before, or maybe you were challenged in some way to look at the world differently.
0: Oof. That's good, Roberto. Okay. I want to hang on to you for 15 more minutes for something else. Um, If you have the time. Okay. Amazing. I do. So, as we wrap things up, where should people follow you? Because you drop so much knowledge. Where are you located on? And where are you most excited about right now? YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Where should people find you?
1: Okay. So, if people want to ask me literally anything all day, every day, I live in the Twitterverse. So, you can at me at Roberto Blake. And I'm usually pretty good about it. So as long as you uh, come correct, uh, we'll be good. We'll be homies, right? So um, follow me at Roberto Blake. Um, If you want a little insight into my life, my thoughts, the challenges, instead of the highlight reel, my Instagram is about that. My Instagram is about uh, the reality instead of the highlight reel. Um, For the most part, sometimes I will um, highlight reel the new uh, gear or the new office setup. (laughs) Um, So just hit me up over there. And I love getting Instagram voicemails, by the way. So at Roberto Blake and Instagram for could you like use of my knowledge, I beg of you, you know, um, hit me up uh, youtube.com slash Roberto Blake to, to absorb all of my knowledge over a thousand videos to help content creators uh, make stuff, market themselves and monetize. No more starving artists become part of the creator economy, start crushing it and living life on your own terms. And so those are the places people can follow me. What am I most excited about? I'm most excited right now about streaming on Twitch. Uh, to be oh, very with you. hello.
0: Well, yeah. that'll be fun to see. Man, oh, yeah. epic. Roberto, all of, just thank you so much for being on, sharing your wisdom and specifically for me too, selfishly, that was extremely yeah. helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, that's why I make get paid sure the everyone, big bucks, right? <laughs> yeah. Boom. Everyone check them out. The links will be in the description below whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the youtube and uh, make sure you're subscribed on all of those platforms to get new episodes every single monday from that creative life helping you live your best creative life until next time i've i went into youtube mode i don't say stay peachy on here but now i feel <laughs> I like told i have you. to i told oh, you everything peachy. is you
1: i told you everything's <laughs> about being a youtuber i told
0: you yeah yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. um thank you for listening y'all